ever just felt like you got to the point where you're like, enough? You're just like, I, I'm just stressed out, enough, enough, enough. And then, and then you hear this saying, or maybe you're going through a difficult time and you just feel like, man, I've got all this pressure on my life and I just don't think I can just handle one more thing. How many have ever heard this saying, God won't give you any more than you can handle? I mean, okay, or, 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 or don't worry, this wouldn't happen in your life if God didn't think you could bear it. Yeah, how many of you ever just raised your hand if you heard those two things? Okay, um, uh, let me just say this. Maybe, I think, in all fairness, I think we say those things to try to console someone. Um, maybe you shared your problems with them and you say, hey, I can relate. I'm going through the same thing. We tried to use this to, to, to help people to say, well, God's not going to give you any more than you can handle. But let me be honest with you this morning. Um, those two sayings aren't in the Bible. Maybe they're in first hesitations, but uh, not, not, not in the Bible. And then you may be thinking, well, pastor, man, I, I I use that all the time. What are you saying? It's, it's, it's not true. Not there. Now, I, what I want to do is, um, in fact, I want to show you that really just the opposite is true. Um, at times, you know, we're going we're gonna to go through things that we just simply can't handle. Can I, can I get an amen? I mean, there are times where we're going to go through things that we just can't handle. And, 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 and you might get to a point in your life where you just feel like this. I think this picture just, okay. You might feel like that right now, right? Uh, so for all you cat lovers, there you go. Okay. So I do love cats um, sometimes, but anyways, um, here, here, here's where you might feel. And you might be feeling that way right now. And, and some of you maybe with, with young children, you might be feeling that way. And you say, Pastor, my kids are driving me nuts. Or maybe you with older children or uh, maybe teenagers, you may say, man, they're driving me crazy. You, you might be under the pressure because maybe you're, you're retired and you're on a fixed income and you feel overwhelmed at times just, to, just to, with your finances. Or, or maybe in general, you're just struggling with your finances, or you might be a single parent, you feel overwhelmed with trying to keep things together. Maybe you're a student and, and you're trying to balance your studies with all your extracurricular activities. You know, at times in our lives, I don't care what phase of life that you're in, there are, there are times we just feel overwhelmed. And how do we handle those times of pressure and how we feel overwhelmed? Well, I think when we say, well, God's not going to give you anything more than you can handle it. Really, I think where we get the scripture mixed up comes from 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, where Paul says this. Paul says, there is no temptation that is overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he, not, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with, with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, this is probably where we get that saying is a misreading of this passage where Paul is saying clearly in this passage, he's talking about temptation that can lead to sin. We have a way through Christ Jesus that we do not have to succumb to the pressures of sin. Everybody say amen. We have the power through Christ Jesus to overcome any temptation or sin that may present itself to us. But the question I want to deal with today is what about trials? How do we deal with the trials of life? Because the reality of trials is this. 
Life will give us more than we can handle at times. Can I get an amen? It is. It, life is just going to give us these things in our lives that we just can't handle in t- at times. And God at times will allow us to go through these difficult trials. But that doesn't mean um, that, that necessarily he's the, the cause of that trial or whatever that may be. But, but he does allow us to go through it. And there's a reason why he's allowing us to go through it. And so we may have times of physical trials where we just feel overwhelmed. Uh, maybe these inner trials that seem to overwhelm us. And one of the most practical books that we see in the New Testament is, is the book of James. And I love the book of James because it, he really just dives in just to the practicality of life and, and, and how do we handle the pressures of life and, and how, do we, um, how do we just live out our, our Christian life daily? And, and what does it mean to have an authentic Christian faith? What, what, what does a Christian really look like? Is, is a Christian simply someone that just goes to church once a week or once a while goes to church and just says they're a Christian. Well, here's what James is going to say. James is going to say, your Christianity is authenticated by how you deal with trials. No amens out there, but that's okay. It's nine o'clock. First time we switched back over the summer. That's okay. I'll give it to you guys. But, but listen, your faith And what you believe is not necessarily by what you say, but how you live it out in your life. Okay. That, that, okay. We're getting better. That's okay. That's we're getting better. But listen, that's what James is going to dive into. And, and, and here's, let me just give you just a little bit background of James. James was the brother of Jesus and, and he was a leader in the Jerusalem church. And because of persecution, um, the church literally scattered all over the Roman empire during that time. And James grew up with, with Jesus and, and James played T-ball with Jesus when they were growing up. They, they, they hung out. They were, they were, they, they were brothers. And, and, and I want you to know that James wasn't a follower of Jesus when Jesus walked this, this earth. And this is what gives so much, just a side note here. This is what gives so much credibility to the book of James that we have in the word of God, uh, it, uh, to, to Jesus's divinity and that he was who he said he was, that he was the son of God, that he was God. James knew Jesus. He grew up with Jesus. And if anyone wouldn't believe and the Christ or Jesus, that he was the son, of jo- uh, the, the son of God, James would be that person. But James became a follower of Christ after his resurrection. And James gave everything to follow Jesus and be a disciple of him. And I like how James calls himself, as we dig into the book of James, as we go through it in the next seven weeks, um, he calls himself a slave or a servant of Jesus Christ. And that's how he starts his letter. And so James, what he does is he writes to discouraged Christians that are facing trials. He writes to some Christians that, that maybe are, are saying that they're Christian in name only, but they're not really living it out. And, and James kind of pokes him a little bit and says, Hey, here's, here's the reality of what it means to be a Christian, that you are going to go through trials that life is going to be difficult at times, but that doesn't mean that God can't use it for his glory or that God can't use it in your life to cause you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so James really just says, listen, this is what it means to be a follower 
of Jesus. And so James writes to these discouraged Christians to encourage them not to give up in the face of, of trials. And so, gee, uh, you know, it, it, he's going to show them that, that Jesus is going to help them through all of this, that Jesus is the one who we follow, that Jesus is not going to leave us or forsake us. So James writes to these discouraged Christians. And, and what I love about the book of James is James doesn't give them some feel good mean, just, you know, Hey, you know, when life hands you some lemons, make lemonade. You know, he doesn't, he's not going to give them some just feel good mean, but, but he's going to give them some godly wisdom to help them in their trials. So I want to read the first four verses of James and he dives right into their problems, into their trials, and he doesn't mess around and he tells them exactly the purpose of why they're going through what they're going through. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to look up at the screen, I want to look at the first four verses of James chapter one and and let's see what James says here. It, It starts by saying, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish believers scattered abroad. He says, greetings, dear brothers and sisters. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Amen to God's word. We're going to learn a lot here in just these four verses because James answers for us two important questions about trials. The first question he's going to answer for us is the purpose behind our trials. And the second question is, why does God allow us to go through the trials? So I want to dig in the, this first part is, is, is what is the purpose behind trials? Because that, that's, I think the hardest thing for us to understand is when we go through something we don't understand, we always say, why God, why am I going through this? Right? And we wonder what is the purpose? And what James reveals for us is really the purpose of why we go through the difficult things in our lives. Let me throw this out to you. You will never know how strong your faith is until you go through a trial. You will never know how strong your faith is until you go through a trial. It's one of the purposes of, our, of, of trials because God's desire for you is to grow in him. And the way we grow in the Lord is we actually grow in the Lord through our trials and the things that we go through in our lives. You will never know how well built your house is until it goes through a storm or how deep the roots are of a tree until it goes through a storm, right? I mean, you, 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 you can build something and it looks good on the outside, But all of a sudden, when a storm hits, you're going to see what the foundation is. And what God desires for you is to have a firm foundation. He wants you to have deep roots in your life so that when the storms of life come, it's just not going to blow you down like a bunch of toothpicks. He wants you to realize that in me, you can have a firm foundation knowing that whatever life may throw at you, it doesn't have to destroy you. It doesn't have to shipwreck you. And so our desire at Living Word is to help you to take those next steps to grow in your walk with the Lord. So I'm going to challenge you. Hey, we've got a great class starting this Wednesday night on how to further your maturity in the Lord. 
and right here in the sanctuary, I would encourage you, if you've never taken a step of coming to more of a Bible class and learning more about the Word of God, I think it goes hand in hand. I think there needs to be two things that are happening in our life. I think we need to realize that trials will come, and so we have to experience those trials in order for our faith to grow, right? But on the other hand, we should know God's Word. We should be growing in God's word so we have a knowledge and an understanding to know that God is good, that God is with us, that I know this trial has happened in my life, but that I can stand firm in him. We don't have that knowledge unless we're studying God's word. So we want you to grow in that. So I would challenge you, get, get, get plugged in to a small group. Take that next step in your walk with the Lord, so you can have the knowledge to understand God's word, to understand why we're going through those things, so that when you go through those things, you're like, ah, I, God's word is true. I knew this was going to happen. I knew this is what I'm going to go through, but I know God is with me, and I know God is faithful. And you're able to stand on the promises of God, knowing that God will never leave you or forsake you. So we understand that, that we, will never, we will never know how strong our faith is until we go through that trial. You, you're not going to know how strong your faith is until you go through that. So, so there is no difference w- with our faith. And God knows this. God knows that our faith in him is so important, especially when we're going through those trials. So what does our faith look like when we go through a trial of some type or suffering? That's the question. What does my faith look like? It's that when you go through that trial, it's going to reveal what you really trust. And so this is a good question for all of us. When I'm going through something in my life, something that I can't explain, Something that's beyond my control. The question we need to ask ourselves is, okay, what does my faith look like here? Am I really struggling? Am I struggling with my worth? Am I struggling with my identity? Am I struggling with who I am in the Lord? That reveals what you're really trusting. And so I I know at times I, I can complain this way. I can say, why is this happening? Or Or if one more thing happens to me, right? We all go through those times, but I want you to realize that God uses our trials. This is what James is saying. God uses our trial to mature us. That's what he's doing. God uses our trials to mature us. And so realize it's not a lack of God's love in your life. It's actually God showing you his love by allowing us to go through certain things because he wants you to grow in him more than anything else. And I think for us, that's the challenge we have because we end up doubting uh, God or doubting his love for us. I remember um, talking to someone not too long ago that just went through a lot of trials in their life, had a couple of deaths in, 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 in the past year, and they were just going through a, a lot. And I went up to this person. I said, I said, how are you doing? And this is what they said to me. They said, you know what? I, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm struggling. It's been a tough year. But this is what she said to me. She goes, but God is good. She goes, God is still good. See, that, that, to me, what that revealed to me in her heart, in her faith, is what she was really trusting. She was still trusting the goodness of God, even though she went through some very difficult things this past year. She was still trusting the goodness of God and knew that God was still good, even in the midst of these uh, difficult trials in her life. And so God uses our trial to mature. So, so James says that there's a reason, and even, even though it sounds strange, God is, is, is doing it for our maturity. Now, have you ever thought this way? You know, God, 
could you just mature me in a different way? Like, like, could you mature me through good circumstances? Like, through, like, getting a raise and my kids all turning out perfect and, you know, just having good relationships. And, you know, could you just, can, can you mature me that way? You know what the answer to that is? No. How many know what happens when everything's going good in our life? We tend to forget about God and thanking him. And all of a sudden, when something bad goes, all of a sudden, now we're turning our hearts back to God because we, we need his help. So we understand through God's word, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. So how many of you know that it just doesn't work that way? And it's through the trials of life that we mature the most. So, so James gives us the why behind that trial. So he says, even through this trial, not only are we going to mature, but we also learn this. We also learn, and I think every single one of us need to continually learn this. And I'm going to put my, myself on that same uh, level with everyone else here, is we need to learn patience. Can I get an Amen. So James says it's, it's, it's about patience through trials. We actually learn patience. Now, the question I want to pose to you this morning is how many of you sometimes lack patience? Okay. Okay. Good. You're all with me this morning. Okay. So here's the thing. Why, why does God want us to have patience? Here's the reason. When we lack patience, we turn our heart away from God. When when we lack patience in a situation, we don't turn to God and say, God, teach me something here. What we do is we get frustrated and we end up going towards a bad place. How many know, how many of you in your impatience and being impatient in certain situations caused you to live a better life? It doesn't, does it? It never does. Impatience never causes us to live a, a better life. And so uh, patience literally means endurance or steadfastness. So when I'm patient, I'm actually trusting God. When I'm impatient, I'm saying, God, you're not doing it fast enough. I'm like, can they make microwaves go any faster? Because this is going too slow. You know, we want our stuff instantaneously. And what that does is it causes us to lose trust and put our hope in God. We end up putting it in ourselves, and I want this to go faster and this needs to change tomorrow. And that's never good for our development and our maturity. It never works out when I'm impatient. So patience literally means endurance or steadfastness. It's actually an attitude that says, listen, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to, I'm going to persevere through this. And we will never experience a life of patience unless we go through a struggle. and, And this is where God says, listen, do you trust me? Do you really trust me? Then put your hope in me. And, and, and I'll give you the endurance and the perseverance to go through this. But you've got to trust me. And it's hard to do that, isn't it? Because we live in such a self-gratifying you know, world. That everything is instantaneous. That, that everything is now. Everything we want, we want done yesterday. And so we're constantly fighting against uh, God allowing something to happen in our lives to keep us hope to keep us hoping in him and trusting in him because we want this thing to be done yesterday but God says listen if you just if you just trust me and if you put your hope in me 
I'm going to teach you far more than if I were to solve that problem for you in a minute. Because I, I want to teach you something more about your heart. Could God solve things for us in a minute? Of course he could. But God loves us too much. He says, listen, I want to show you something about your heart and your life. Because I care more about your maturity and your growth in me than simply answering your prayer in an instant. I want to show you something about your heart and your life, and I want you to grow in me. And that's the hardest thing for us to learn, is to have patience in the Lord. And, but God says, through that, I'm going to teach you endurance and steadfastness. So what, how patience, so how is, if you ever ask, how, how do I get patience? Besides, you know, how, 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 how do I get, how do I get this? Because I need it, Right. And, and, and maybe this morning you're impatient. Maybe your spouse wasn't getting ready fast enough and you knew you're going to be late for church again. And you're like, man, we're going to be late again. The pastor has a checklist of everybody that walks in church late. All right. No, I'm just teasing. You know, it's like, man, and we get impatient. Like, so, so how do we, how do we develop this patience? Well, patience is developed through resistance. Okay. So this is good. All right. So let, let's, let's dive into this. How, how is patience developed? It's developed through resistance. So we all know that strength is developed through resistance. If you want to strengthen your muscles, what do you need to do? You need to exercise, right? You need to, you need to lift weights. You need to lift something. More than the remote control of your television, okay? You need, to, you, need to, you, need to, you need to exercise your muscles. And so basically when your muscles develop, um, it's resisting against the weight. So you're, you're, it's, it's, it's developing, it's making it strong. It's, it's tearing the muscle down, then it's building it back up again to make you stronger. So here's the thing. When you go through life and you are challenged in your life, and there's something that's resisting you, something that's not going your way. Look at that situation as, 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 as something, think about it this way. Say, okay, I'm going through a situation, something is resisting my life. It's not going the way I want to. The line is going slow. I got in the wrong line at the grocery store. Right? Has that ever happened to you? You got in the long, wrong line and you thought this line, you know, and I know what some of you do. You check out the lines. Like how many, how many do they got? How, how, many, how many items do they have? And you keep going down. And then you get in that line and then that person in front of you has got all the coupons, right? And then, and then they're pulling out their wallet because they're like, should I use a check or should I, or I use cash? Oh, wait a minute. I got, wait a minute. I, I got another coupon in here somewhere in my purse, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm ready to kill myself, right? So now, here's the thing, here's the thing, when, when that happens to you, there's resistance, it's coming against, right, you to want something done quickly in your life. So when we have to wait in line, realize, God, you're developing my patience here, right? So, Listen, waiting in line at, at Disney World or the DMV or in traffic, um, right, is teaching you resistance. It's coming against you wanting to get th- something. So that's where you can learn to say, God, I'm going to give this to you and teach me something through this and help me not to become impatient in, in, in this situation. Now, um, 
If you've ever lived in New York City or a big city where they've had a lot of traffic, you know what I'm talking about. If you've gone from a place that has no traffic, like Russia really has no traffic. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you can go from one side of the city to the other and you can get there and maybe in the morning there's a little bit of unless there's an accident. But I mean, living in Russia is nice when it comes to traffic. Um, you talk to people that live in big cities. Uh, I remember when we went to go visit my nephew in Phoenix and like, it's like 100,000 square miles across from one end of the city. It's huge. And I remember saying, oh, there's this place I'd like to go. I was saying to my nephew and he goes, well, where did I go? Well, it's in the southeast part of Phoenix and we're in the northwest part. And I said, it's, it's only like 25 miles. It only takes us, you know, half an hour to get there. He goes, are you insane? He goes, what time do you plan on going? I go, we'll just go in the afternoon. He goes, it will literally take you two and a half hours to get there. With tra- I'm like, really? Because I'm so used to living in, in, in Rochester. And so one time I was in New York City. I was in, I was in Flushings. And um, we, I had a meeting there for pastors. And we were only like three miles from the U.S. Tennis Center. I always wanted to see it. Um, and so I was talking with a guy that was with me. I said, hey, let's drive over to Flushing Meadows and see the United States U.S. Open Tennis Center. I always wanted to see it. We'll walk around the grounds and, you know, let's do it. It's only three miles away. So we hopped in the car and I'm thinking it's going to take 10 minutes. It took us an hour and a half to get there. There was so much. I mean, it was, I didn't know what to do. I was just paralyzed. I was, I, we weren't moving. And I'm like, people are cutting in front of me. People are beeping their horn at me. I'm like, stop hurting my feelings, okay? I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I didn't realize in New York, you, the horn is a normal thing. You beep your horn here in Rochester and people are flipping you off. I mean, it's like, really? Just even if you toot it once, like if, if it's five seconds and they're not moving, you just give them a little happy toot, 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 like to move around there, like, yeah, what are you, yeah, 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 what are you doing? You're like, man, I'm just like, I just toot it just to, pushing you along a little bit. Okay. So I'm there and I'm like, man, we're never going to get there. So then I'm like, well, I got to drive like a New Yorker. So I started using my horn. I started cutting. It was kind of fun. Actually. Well, it was kind of fun just cutting in front of people and using my horn and, and you know, people are just used to that. That's what you, you, you do there. And see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It, it, it's in those situations when I feel like life isn't going my way or it's not going quick enough, that God says, this is where I want to teach you my patience. This is where I want to teach you to trust me and not to allow those things to bankrupt your faith. And and I know I'm being facetious with the things of life, but, but there are things in our life that just, you know, don't seem like they're going quick enough. And you might seriously be here and you're just battling with something in your life and you're really struggling through that to try to find God's patience in that. And God says, I want to teach you even through that, to know that I'm still good, that I'm not going to leave you or forsake you, that I am mature in your faith, that it's not, it's not necessarily your fault. I mean, how many know there are things that we do in our life that are just knuckle-brain things or just stupid things that we do in our life that, that we make bad decisions? But even through that, God can teach us who he is, even through the wrong decisions that we make in our life. And God can still show us his grace and his mercy and cause us to grow in him that he never gives up on us. Amen? I mean, that's the grace of God in our life. So the way we look at our life will really determine our outcome. The way we look at our lives will determine our outcome. And so our attitude will determine how we live our lives. And what happens here is 
impatience causes us to have a very sour spirit. Impatience can cause our spirits to sour very quickly. Impatience can cause us to have a critical spirit very quickly and not move us towards God, but actually move us away from him. So if I'm noticing in my life that things just set me off so quickly, and if one of those things is impatience, there's, it's, not, it's not everybody else. It's not the traffic, right? It's not the person in front of you in line at Wegmans or Tops. It's, it's us, isn't it? There's something within us that God is trying to say, Barden, I'm trying to teach you something here. And I don't want your spirit to get sour and I don't want you to have a critical spirit that's going to tank your relationship with me. And so the way we look at life will determine our outcome and our attitude will determine how we live our life. So James tells us something that seems so countercultural. He says this, trials do not have to be an inconvenience, but actually an opportunity for joy. Say what? Really? You mean sitting in traffic or whatever it is or whatever I'm going through that it can actually be an opportunity for joy? Yes, that's what God is saying. They don't have to be an inconvenience, but actually an opportunity for joy. He, he tells us that we should actually count it as joy when struggles come our way. So I can choose joy knowing that God is working for me. I don't have to choose impatience. I don't have to choose to have a critical spirit anymore. I can actually choose joy by saying, okay, God, I'm going through this. I don't like it. I want it my way. But you know what? I want to find what true joy is. I want to know that you're really with me. I want to know that your promises are true and that you can actually give me joy through this thing that I'm going through. And that it's actually an opportunity for us to grow in him. So why do we so easily get upset when things don't go our way. Well, Warren Worsby, he does a great job answering that question. Why do we get so impatient? Why do we get so upset when things don't seem to go our way? And Warren Worsby says this, our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy, as James says. If we live for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter, not better. See, Worsby's on to something here. See, if I don't see uh, trials in a different light, then I will see them as an enemy to my comfort. And that's really what it is. I'm not getting my way. And I don't like when I don't get my way. I'm not a happy camper when things don't go my way and stop camping. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. So listen, if I'm more concerned with my comfort, then I will resist God using a trial in my life. If my comfort is over my relationship with God, then I'm going to resist God actually using that trial in my life because I'm more concerned about my comfort than I am about God using it to mature me in my walk with him. It will actually cause my growth in God to stagnate. G.K. Chesterton said this, and I think this is brilliant. He said, meaningless does not come from being weary of pain. Meaningless comes from being weary of pleasure. 
See, if we're really honest with ourselves, we, we have it very good in the United States. And everything is built around our pleasure. And we think, we think this way. We really think, well, true joy is going to come when everything's perfect in my life. And everything is given to me, and I, and I find that pleasure. And then, and then when you go down that road, and, and not that God doesn't want us to have good things, or not that God doesn't want us to enjoy the things that we have in our life, but, but I love what Tim Keller says. So Tim Keller says that, really, when we make an idol out of something, an idol can be a good thing that we just make an ultimate thing. We take that good thing, we say, this thing is going to bring me joy in my life. Right? This thing is going to make me happy. And then we get there, and then that thing doesn't really make me as happy as I thought it was going to make me. And God says, listen, I want to show you that your joy does not have to be dependent on your circumstances. Can you imagine that? That your joy does not necessarily have to come from all the pleasures on earth. Even though God does want us to enjoy the good things in this world. But he says, don't make them ultimate things. You will never, ever find your joy and your comfort in those ultimate things that we think are going to give us pleasure and joy. God says, I want to show you that even through your trials, that you can still find a joy in me that's not dependent on whether or not that thing works out or not. Can I get an amen there? That's where we begin to grow deeper in our walk with him. And I think that's where G.K. Chesterton's going because ultimately, here's what James says. Trials shape our character. Trials shape our character. And I like what Warren Worsby says there because trials can either make you bitter or they can make you better. They can either make you bitter towards God and doubt God and his goodness, or they can make you better where God says, I'm going to show you a joy that you're not going to find in your circumstances. And for those who've allowed their trials to make them better, they've come to understand patience. They've gained wisdom. They have a sensitivity to others. They get that life isn't always great. See, Jesus understands that we're going to go through difficulties in this world. We know that we can go to him to find help in our time of need, that God's grace never runs out. So what do we do when we're going through that trial or going through that difficult time? We need to know that God is still good. We need to understand that what James is saying, that God is, is maturing you if you allow him to do that. That when, when resistance or things come against us in our life, God says, I'm going to actually use that to make you stronger. And so here, here's the cool thing about that. When the next thing comes, how many know there's always going to be a next thing? Right? The minute you go through one trial, we can never rest and realize. How many know you just can't sit back and say, okay, nothing ever is going to happen again. That was it, right? You know, that's, <laughs> that's just not the way life works until we get to heaven. But listen, What's going to happen is when you go through that next trial or that thing that comes against you, guess what you're going to look to? You're going to look back and say, you know what, God, you were faithful back then and you used that to do something deeper in my heart and I know you're going to do the same thing here so I can trust you with it. I'm going to trust you, God, with this trial. I, I don't understand everything. I don't know why, but I know this about your character that you're good. 
I know this about you, God, that you're never going to leave me or forsake me, that nothing's going to separate me from your love. So I'm going to trust you with that because I know you're doing something in my life and you, and you want me to grow. See, here, here's, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to look at your life and, and I want you to, maybe you're going through something right now. And I, I want you to take time during this week just to maybe write down three things that God is showing you right now through your trial. Just say, God, I want to learn from this. I, I don't want to ignore you because sometimes we get so immersed in our trial and our circumstances that we miss what God is trying to do in our hearts and our lives. And also what I want you to do is look back through a trial that you've been through and just write down three things that God showed you through that trial. And I want you to hold on to that. I don't want you to lose that. I want you to keep going back to that. Because unless you evaluate your life, you'll have no idea where you're going. And God wants you to evaluate your life. He wants you to say, hey, look at what I'm doing in your heart. Look at what I'm doing in your life. I want to encourage you. And you can look back and the next trial that comes, you're going to say, you know what? I can actually face this trial with joy. Now, here's what I mean by the joy, okay? The joy when you're going through a trial, sometimes the trial hurt, hurts, doesn't it? It's not that I'm skipping through the tulips. I'm going through a trial. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, let's throw a party. Here's the joy. Here's what the joy means. The joy is this. God, this is difficult, and he wants us to be honest with him. This isn't easy, but you know what? The joy comes in knowing that we're going to mature in him. Man, that's good preaching right there. That's the joy. The joy comes in knowing that God is actually using it for your good to show you that he wants to do something deeper in your heart. So when that trial comes, what James is actually saying is you count it as joy knowing that God has his best intentions for you, that he wants you to grow in him. That's how much he loves you. We may not like going through that trial, and I don't think anyone would. It's difficult. It's hard. But God says, you actually can count it joy because I want you to grow, and I want you to have deep roots so that when the next trial comes, you're going to be prepared and ready for it and knowing that I'm going to be with you and I'm not going to forsake you. And so I'm going to pray for you today, and there may be some of you here today, and you're just going through some difficult things in your life. We're going to close in song today with a beautiful song about how God does it over and over and over again, that his faithfulness is always there. And some of you need to hear that in your spirit today, that God is faithful. God is faithful. He's not leaving you. He's doing a deeper work. Let me do that work. So here's here's what you need to do as you relinquish this to the Lord. You just need to say, God, I give this to you. I know you're, I may not understand it, but I know you're doing this deeper work in my heart but I can trust you. I can trust you and I I want you to do a deeper work in my heart. And so just keep revealing what you need to reveal in my heart because I know you're not going to leave me and you need to hear that today. So would you just stand with me today and would you just bow your hearts with me for just a moment just as we just enter into this time of worship and as we just just close this time together. 
Father God, we just come before you today, and I, I pray for everyone here today that's just struggling. I thank you that, that, Lord, even though we struggle and there's things that come against us, God, you don't want our hearts to become bitter. You don't want that trial to poison us towards you. But actually, God, it's an opportunity for us to grow in you, and we can count that as joy because you want to mature us. And I pray, Lord, that, that God, you would help us to keep walking forward in you, to trusting your word, to being proactive in our lives, not to allow those trials to just so submerge us that we lose our vision of who you are and, and what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And thank you that you love us. You love us so much that sometimes you allow us to go through things because you love us so much that you want us to mature in you. You want us to be holy in you, God. And I thank you for that. Help not our comfort to be the ultimate thing in our life that gets in the way of you trying to do something deeper in our lives when a trial comes. Thank you, Lord, for all the things we do have the comforts that you do give us, but help, help us not to make those ultimate things that my whole life is driven by my comfort because I, we will never find joy and satisfaction in that as, as hard as we may try. So change us, God. Thank you for revealing who you truly are and what you truly want to do in each and every one of our lives. And so I just pray for your comfort and your peace for all of us, Lord, as we just traverse through the things we have to go through. Lord, we look around our world, we see the devastation in the Bahamas, we see things that are here one moment and gone the next. Lord, help us not to put our trust in material things because they're here one moment and gone the next. Help us to put our trust in you, Jesus, who is eternal, who never changes. And may our hope and our joy come from our relationship with you, Jesus, not the circumstances in our lives, because our relationship with you never changes. And we're thankful for that. So we love you. We just thank you. And thank you, Lord, for, for loving us and never giving up on us. Thank you for your grace that's available each and every day. In our weakness, you are strong. Thank you for your grace. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.